Hello and welcome to the Broadcast Tech Talks podcast. My name is Jake Bickerton and I'm the Editorial Director of Broadcast Tech. The Broadcast Tech Talks podcast shines the spotlights on creative uses of technology in the broadcast industry. On today's Broadcast Tech Talks podcast, I'm joined by Trevor Back from Speechmatics and Mira Pelovska. I hope I've got that right. I've got a nod, so that's good. From Broad Team, we're going to be discussing innovations in automatic speech recognition and in particular embracing diverse dialects. Sounds to me very complicated, but we shall get the lowdown on how it's done very shortly. Um, before we crack into the questions, uh, let me do some intros or at least ask my panelists to do some intros. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Trevor. Could you say who you are and what you do at Speechmatics, please? Yeah, thanks, Jake. It's great to be here talking to you. Um, so, thanks. hi, I'm Trevor. Uh, I'm a, a chief product officer here at, at Speechmatics. I uh, joined just about six months ago, um, uh, having been in the AI space for um, uh, just over a decade, uh, previously being a product manager at DeepMind. Uh, my background is actually um, uh, a PhD in astrophysics, but I, uh, I decided to get out of academia and, and get into where I could have some real world impact. So, uh, yeah, very excited to be here today and talking to you. Uh, Mira, could you do the same, please? Sure, I'm um, in charge of the operations at Broad Team. Uh, Broad Team, we are um, a company uh, creating innovative software for the broadcast industry. And we are specialized in translating this speech to text into um, accurate and contextually relevant on-air live subtitles. Excellent stuff. Well, very nice to meet you both. Um, obviously, we're, we're looking at speech to text today. And I think the AI for speech to text obviously come on in leaps and bounds over recent years, and certainly in the last 12 to 18 months. You know, I've used it a lot myself, and the results are like really impressively accurate, I think. Um, but I'm using usually quite sort of straightforward English language and quite clear, uh, not necessarily lots of different dialects. So um, I think it'd be really interesting to talk about, you know, where automatic um, transcription and translation services are at the moment. And I guess the the sort of the issues that you need to address to enhance certain parts of it, and certainly when it comes to understanding different dialects automatically, and then actually getting the transcriptions for those uh, right and then the translations leading on from that. So um, I don't know if, um, Trevor, you want to start us off with where you think uh, the industry is at, at the moment and where you think the kind of key challenges are. Yeah, sure. So um, I think it's worth, you know, give it, giving some some context here in, in terms of, you know, Speechmatics is essentially a an applied AI research company that spun out of Cambridge over a decade ago um, and has been a sort of a leader in, in speech recognition technology during this whole time, um, particularly in terms of providing the highest accuracy across the most languages. Um, and I, like, I think a core part of what we have been doing differently to others is, is really focusing in on this. Um, how do you train uh, accurate speech recognition with a small amount of data? Um, uh, there's a lot less data in audio and in speech than there is, say, text on the internet. Um, which is how a lot of these large language models have been trained. Right. And so to get high accuracy in speech recognition, you really need to be able to um, uh, efficiently uh, sample from, from the small amount of real-world data. Um, and so the team here has uh, you know, leveraged multiple different AI breakthroughs over the last decade to continue to bring the best product to market. 
And one of the most recent ones that we've been focused on is something called self-supervised learning, which um, utilizes the same methodology as large language models use, but we've augmented it so that it works really well with the small amounts of data. Um, that's particularly useful when you're starting to look at dialects or languages that are less uh, spoken, because often those are, you know, th there's a, even less data of those than there are of, of others. Um, and so it's one area where we, we, we're able to bring particular amount of power to bear on, um, uh, on our, our, our accuracy. So we're able to recognize dialects, localizations, or languages with less data much more accurately than our competitors. When you recognize those dialects, are you then able to get the accuracy level fairly high as well compared to some of your competitors? We are more accurate than uh, all of our competitors on English, but we're also uh, more accurate than uh, our competitors across you know, 49 plus other languages. Um, and we're consistent, like we're, we're always testing ourselves against new test sets and new uh, data sets, particularly around different dialects or other languages. We recently um, uh, really focused in on, say, Persian, for example, where um, we were able to do reasonably well, but not incredibly well. But we we sort of got access to a small amount of additional data. And within the course of a few weeks, we're able to um, increase our accuracy by, you know, 20 to 30 percent um, in relative terms, uh, just by sort of adding in additional data. And so this we've kind of got the algorithms, got the processes, got the methodology ready. All we need to do is sort of uh, apply ourselves with a new amount of data and we're able to see significant um, uh, gains in that type of accuracy. A, a lot of a lot of our competitors uh, uh, and others, uh, particularly in the research, ac more academic research arena, are using these um, sort of single multilingual models, which are models that can recognize multiple different languages as a single model. But the the sort of challenge to that is that what you then see is a decrease in accuracy across all of them because the model's you know spending a lot of its time and energy trying to learn lots of languages rather than get really good at one or two and so we've been as a company particularly focused on uh training one model per language using the same underlying architecture and the same methodology but really focusing on on one language so that we can um really get the maximum amount of accuracy per language and is this a matter of kind of machine learning with lots of examples of that specific dialect or that specific language it's exactly that essentially what the system's trying to do is predict the next word um which is mm. exactly what large language models are trying to do when you know if you're playing with chat gpt and you type in a sentence what it's what it provides back to you is essentially trying to predict the next word and that that is essentially what our systems are doing as well they're trying to predict what the next word is um and they're doing it based on audio input and so they're just showing a huge amount of examples um uh, but particularly what we would call unlabeled examples so that it's you know it's not necessarily linked to what the actual word is and our system is able to sort of learn over time what those like words should be yeah. so it's just a huge amount of examples and uh is using a huge amount of compute to then uh, learn those and for you mira what does it mean to have a partner that is continually sort of evolving this and making sure that it's the best on the marketplace whatever the type of dialect you're dealing with I do believe they're the best on the market, and that's why we work together. Uh, well, um, I'll, I'll just try to explain what's uh, the difficulty maybe on our side, because uh, yeah. having 
are very accurate. Um, uh, speech recognition is very good, but in live subtitling, we need to fill uh, this data in uh, a certain amount of uh, characters in order to be readable. So we have also to understand uh, if we need to uh, rephrase certain topics in order to make them really comprehensible uh, to the public, uh, to the audience, or we need to keep it uh, as accurate as possible, depending on the context. Regarding the dialect and translation also, because something that Speechmatics also does, I would need to understand Mexican Spanish to translate it to Brazilian Portuguese and to Indonesian. Mm -hmm. So these are uh, things that are really related to the um, accents, to the um, dialects, and um, it's challenging, but Speechmatics does it very well. Doing live subtitling, how do you work alongside AI at the moment to kind of speed up the process and make it more efficient? We are able to uh, do live subtitling faster than uh, using external providers uh, who supervise what they're doing before sending it on air. We are able to do it in four seconds today, have a very accurate live subtitling. So if we look back at, uh, you know, the okay, the impetus to, to make this work with all these different dialects, I think for Trevor, if you could take this one on to start off with, why do you think it's, it is important to... Um, to have the ability to kind of, you know, be able to work across all these different dialects. Do you think for your clients, it potentially opens up new market opportunities for, you know, kind of businesses and content creators? A lot of these large language models that have come out more recently, they've been trained on the internet and the internet is primarily in English, right? The the sort of distribution of English to other languages on the internet is, is enormous. Um, and so in particular, it had chat GPT, uh, last year or earlier this year sort of reduced its availability in other languages because it realized how um, it wasn't great on on these additional languages. It was only really sort of capable on on English and a couple of other languages. Ultimately, making these types of technologies more accessible to not just additional languages, but also localization issues or dialect issues or non-native speaker type uh, aspects is is really important. Um, And then from a from our customer perspective, yeah, it's absolutely about being able to reach a broader audience, um, uh, about being able to um, open up the entire world uh, as as their audience if they if they need to. And and as Mira's nicely pointed out, like you know, Speechmatics does uh, speech recognition, but we also do um, uh, translation, um, and we do translation across a, a whole host of different languages. Um, and and we still pride ourselves on uh, being you know extremely accurate there as well. Um, and I think there's a whole host of other additional features you can add on top of there that sort of then enable you to to sort of access and reach a broader and and, and wider audience. Um, and I think that's uh, something that's particularly important for for all of the technology and all of AI to focus on. So uh, particularly proud that Speechmatics is is really taking this to heart. What would you say are the the most challenging dialects to recognise and transcribe? But Mira, before we we started this podcast recording, you you pointed to a an example of a Scottish politician being sort of misunderstood by, I think it was another politician who was born in New Zealand. So you'd think that they would stand a chance of uh, understanding what they're saying. But yeah, it, it, could you explain the example and, uh, you know, how it kind of raises issues for this space? 
Well, I, I, I just uh, remember this, uh, seeing it um, a few months ago, and I was wondering uh, how the transcription would work uh, with this uh, native mm -hmm. speaker, actually. And uh, Speechmatics did very well recognizing the text and the speaker as well. And recently, I listened up to Jake Wardle, uh, who in 2015, he released a video uh, imitating uh, like 67 accents in English. English, which included also a French accent, German accent, uh, but he went very far and uh, also imitated uh, like um, British Asian second generation from Southern England. And it was very interesting to listen to those, all those um, accents because it makes the, the, the language very difficult sometimes to, to be understood. It's a big challenge and I think it's very good to focus only on one language, especially the most spoken uh, one, which are like Spanish and um, English, of course, because these are um, bridges that brings um, populations together. You look at just the, the UK and all the different dialects within the, the different regions of the UK, and that you would think in itself would be a challenge and you know, a, a big enough challenge to try and tackle. Are you going to be looking at sort of every location, every region of the world and going literally to that sort of macro level where you might be able to automatically pick up different uh, regional dialects and cope with those as well? There's obviously a lot in in the UK that uh, we all can laugh and joke about. You know, there's a there's a famous clip of of, of two Scottish men in an elevator trying to get it to take them to the right location, and it, it can't understand them. Um, I, I actually grew up in Yorkshire. I'm very used to uh, different accents. My mum's Scottish, um, so uh, yeah, I'm definitely used to, to that aspect. You know, visiting Glasgow and and trying to understand Glaswegian accent, for instance. But this this is not just a UK challenge, right? In 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 Germany. Germany, there's a huge number of ranges of, of different um, uh, dialects in Germany. There's uh, there's a great example on the Speechmatics website of a Southern US accent, right, which is very different to um, uh, what we all think of as American English, and 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 Speechmatics does really well on that. The challenge for us is is really sort of getting access to those recorded examples of these different dialects. Um, mm. We've kind of already built the system, uh, the architecture and the methodology to, to be able to leverage those dialects and, and build a system that will work with it. All, all we need is is just lots of those examples. And so when whenever we go into looking at a, building a new language pack um, uh, for an area, we, we, we always care about, you know, what distribution of different dialects do we get from there? Is there a way for us to get access to you know, uh, dialects that are maybe from a, a less popular um, area. And so it's something that we really take to heart. And uh, I just wanted to bring to life with with a quick story. We were, we were um, captioning a, um, InterSpeech, which is a, a big sort of uh, machine learning for speech conference uh, earlier this year. Um, and uh, the speaker, I think, was um, an, a non-native English speaker. And the question asker was a non-native uh, uh, English speaker. And uh, there was a moment where the question was asked and the speaker didn't understand or recognize the question. And they both looked to the caption to see what was being asked. And it was this magical moment where, you know, the, the speech technology was enabling two people to communicate. Um, and wow. so, you know, that that was not something that would have been possible sort of 12, 24 months ago. It's interesting and fascinating to think about, you know, one of the barriers is just the, the lack of, say, recorded conversations in certain dialects, I guess, around the world. And uh, 
do, do you have any ability to try and get people to record more in certain areas where you're lacking? And I mean, can you reach out and kind of get uh, more source material, I suppose? I, I mean, I would love to, you know, build an open source community where yeah. underrepresented groups were able to contribute. Um, I think there's a lot of people thinking about this for AI in general, and it's actually something that um, there's, there's chatter about that the open source community hasn't done this as well as, as some of the sort of more commercial players in, in the AI space. Um, but yeah, I would, I would love for there to be a, a hosted database uh, where people from underrepresented groups could go on and speak for half an hour so that uh, their local dialect or accent could then be used for training better models. Yeah. And if we had that, is that the only barrier at the moment to being able to, you know, effectively cope with any dialect from any region of the world? Or is there, is there more to sort of come in, in terms of the technology side? I think we're only at the beginning of the journey towards what seamless speech recognition could and should look like, right? Um, you know, uh, Mira talked about four seconds being great, but, uh, you know, I dream about the the day that, you know, an AI uh, system could converse with us in real time, you know, at the same speed as a human would. Um, and I, so I think there's a, a whole host of interesting technical challenges to, to achieve that. And then I'd also sort of add that, you know, I think dialects and and localization and that type of stuff is 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 clearly like easily understood. But there's also temporal aspects to the way we use speech, right? There are a lot of words that change their meaning over time. There's a lot of uh, new words that get added in. There's you know um, uh, a, a lot of sort of uh, colloquial terms that that come into use and 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 sort of uh, fade out or terms that are no longer appropriate um, uh, shouldn't be there either. And so. I don't think we'll ever really come to the the sort of place where it's a, a fully uh, finished, uh, complete system. But I, I think there's an incredible progress that's been made recently. And I think we are at an inflection point where a lot of the things that I just talked about are, are possible within the next couple of years. For me, it will be really great to combine these cultural identifications uh, with the slang and to combine this with a toponymy and personal names and, of course, um, the professional context. For instance, in the gaming industry, they have specific terms that I'm not sure if I read them, I would understand them. And I would hope that the technology will be able to m make uh, those terms um, clear for everyone. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually, isn't it? The slang and these very uh, sort of industry-specific terms uh, how do you how do you currently cope with those, Trevor? We we have something that's called a custom dictionary, um, which enables uh, any of our customers to sort of build in specific terms or words that matter to them. Um, at the moment, that's still a reasonably manual process, but I I can imagine a world in in the near future where we sort of think about how do we again leverage AI to build out those custom dictionaries for you, right? Imagine if you as a as a, a take the gaming industry as a as an example that Mira just highlighted. Imagine if you've already got a document that already outlines all of the different sort of terms and words you have, you should be able to immediately build a custom dictionary from just inputting that document into the system. Um, and then suddenly the system would be able to recognize it. So um, it, is, it is certainly a challenge. Um, and these uh, terms come in and out of usage a lot, um, particularly in the gaming industry for, you know, every new game has its own little terms. Um, and so the easier way to build these custom dictionaries uh, will be better for everyone. What do you think the future holds then? Do you think that over the next 12 months, I guess, generative AI is really 
made AI something that everyone knows about now is, you know, there's a real buzz around it. Do you think the next 12 months is going to be quite exciting for the possibilities that you'll be able to, to bring to the market? You know, recent the, the last the last bit of conversation we've been talking a lot about uh, speech uh, recognition, right? Um, uh, but a lot of these additional Gen AI large language model type breakthroughs mean that we can bring a lot more AI power to um, uh, speech related technologies. It means we can start thinking about sentiment analysis or about summarization or about topic detection and entity detection and. Um, uh, these things, w- which would have previously taken, you know, a year, two years to develop a new model for, train the data, train the model, um, uh, build the model, release it, now can be done um, uh, in a much quicker timescale with with the sort of new large language models. So, I think what we're going to see over the next, you know, twelve months, if we're talking about a more immediate future rather than a long term future, I think what we're going to see is a lot more value being able to um, be be brought out from uh, speech. Uh, recognition, which at the moment is primarily focused on text. Um, but, you know, if I sigh or if I breathe or if I clap or if I do other activities, there's a lot of other audio ways to transfer and, and communicate. Um, and then there's a lot of uh, other information that can be um, uh, processed in that speech as well. So I think over the next 12 months, we're going to see this move from, you know, speech transcription going just speech to text to actually you know speech comprehension um a lot of ai being brought to really understand what was said how it was said why it was said what the context um and then being able to summarize that quickly down into uh, you know snippets that are, are useful and valuable for for everyone something that we're also doing together with uh, speechmatics is that we're transcribing the tv reality show which means that uh, we have the speech to text of everything that has been said because um today uh there are many people that are writing this manual they're looking at the scene and saying okay carla is saying this and yeah. this but now we're able to do it um with a speech to text technology which is amazing and if we could go further and describe the scene and uh, identify the people uh, who are in the scene it could uh, really bring um more value it's been lovely to talk to you both. Is there anything either of you would like to add around this uh, discussion? The thing that stands out to me is it, it's just been um, a pleasure hearing um, Mira talk about um, the way that her and her company use speechmatics. Um, like it's, you know, there's so many different use cases for this type of speech technology. Um, and obviously we're, we're focused in on building the technology. We don't always uh, get to see it directly in action. And it's just an absolute yeah. pleasure and delight to hear how Mirror and Broad team have been able to sort of provide their customers value using, using speechmatics. So um, yeah, really appreciate her bringing that to life for us. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Broadcast Tech Talks podcast. Please like and subscribe. We'll see you on the next one.